0: Most adults don't really understand it's just something that we did every so often and uh it was a part of worship and and so when I first went into ministry i i i just i promised the Lord I said Lord when we do communion this is what the sermons are going to be about it's not, we're not going to tack it on the end of a service it's too important and it's going to it's going to be the service and so today i i I'm just going to talk a little bit i'm going to probably teach a little bit i may Reach a little bit. I don't, I don't know what the difference is, okay? You, you, you get to stand behind a pulpit, grab hold, and go. So uh, what I'm calling this today is a look back to see the future. That, that might, might make a little, a great deal of sense, but we're going to look back today to see the future. Today's the, literally the last Sunday of 2014. I mean, for all practical purposes, this year is over. Uh, the next time we meet, whether you realize this or not, it'll be next year. It'll be 2015. And we're here sort of in an in-between moment. But what I've learned is in those moments where, you know, it, you've had the rush of Christmas or you've had the rush of something else, and, and then you have that quiet. That's when God shows up. That's when God does his His deepest and his His biggest work. And so we don't want to, you know, we don't want to miss what he wants to do today. Uh, for some of us, we wish we'd done better in 2014. Amen? Amen. For some of us, it was a really good year. For some of us, it was not so good of a year. Uh, but the future looms really large. I mean, it's just over the horizon, and, and with the with a new year, we get a fresh start. Okay, we get a an opportunity to achieve. Or to be more, or to do more, or to make a difference in an area that's important to us. And the new year, so it stands before us with, 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 literally with hope and promise. It's a, it's a fresh new beginning. And how many of you need a new beginning? I mean, all of us. We all need a new beginning. And I'm, I'm thankful that we get another chance. And for some of us, we get a do over. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with do-overs. God's a a God of second chances, and, and a second chance, you know what a second chance does? It creates optimism. I mean, there's too much pessimism in this world. I'm not a pessimistic person. I've never been a pessimistic person. I'm always, I was all, I'm always very optimistic, and, and sometimes to a fault, okay? I always see bigger and better, and then when it's not bigger and better, it's, it's kind of disappointing, but I'd, I don't stay there. I'm, I'm always optimistic, and so I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the new, new year. Optimism builds hope. Second chances build hope. You know that if you mess up and you get another chance, you can make a difference. You know, God never intended for us to live in the failures and in the tragedies and in the despair of our past. How many of you realize that? That was not what God created us for. He tells us, in fact, in Jeremiah 29, that that He has a plan for us. And it's a plan with a hope and a future. I mean, God's got a plan for our future, and it's filled with hope. But to step into our future... We have to address our past, and we have to deal with it. We can't run from it. We can't ignore it, or we, and we can't live in it. God created us to live in the present, looking forward to the future, not mired in the past, not locked in a prison of the past, watching reruns of, of, of what we've failed or, or our faults or, or what could have been or should have been or our shortcomings, God's given us a memory. And one of the reasons he gives us a memory is so that we won't duplicate the things we have done poorly again. One of Kathy's favorite lines, and y'all don't need to tell her I said this, okay? (laughs) Nelson, you need to think. Now some of you husbands will understand. You need to think. Think. And God's given us that memory so that we we don't duplicate and make the mistakes we've made in the past. Our memory is a tool that uses the past to help us in the future. That's one of the things that it does. Our memory is designed to help us look forward by looking back. In other words, when we remember things, it helps us when we get to those things again or when we encounter something similar to that. Now, that sounds like a, a looking forward by looking back sounds like a contradiction of terms, but it, it's really not. So today, on this last Sunday in 2014, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And this meal is a memory tool. They celebrated this meal so that they could remember. And so that they would never forget what Jesus had done. But it was designed by God to help us to see the future. By looking back. And it's going to make a, what I'm saying is going to make a little bit more sense in just a, in a minute. It's not just a celebration of a memorial. It's, it's not something that we look back at and remember what Jesus did. It, it's also a meal that's supposed to create anticipation. And it's supposed to create hope in us of what he's going to do. See, this meal is not just about a past event. It's about a past event that, that, that Jesus gave to his, his disciples and his followers to cause them to be anticipating something that was going to happen in the future. So they looked back to see into the future. This meal is not just about the death of Jesus, though it is about the sacrifice of his body and his blood for our sins. And, and when, we, when we take of the cup and we eat of the bread, we remember his body that was broken and we remember his blood that was shed. But this meal is also a reminder of no matter how tough things get, no matter how dark the, night, the dark night of the soul is, no matter what, how dire circumstances we find ourselves in, or seemingly hopeless, we are at a moment that Jesus is coming back. That he will return. He's not finished with us, folks. He's not finished with you and me. When he died on the cross, that wasn't the end of what he planned to do. That was the beginning. Okay? There's so much more. We may have a past, and all of us do, but because of the sacrifice that he paid on the cross, we also have a future. And so today we're going to look forward to Christ's return by looking back a little bit, at his death on the cross. Like I mentioned, this, this meal is a memory device to encourage. It's not to discourage, okay? If you're here and you've seen this and you're, you're already kind of, you know, scooching down in your seat, afraid that in a moment the, the pastor, he's going to beat on you with condemnation and tell you to look inward. And, and, and I, you know, that's important, but I'm not going to beat on you. It was never designed, this meal was never designed to be a meal of condemnation. So it, it's to encourage it, not to discourage. It's to, to foster hope, not to, to leave us in despair. It's, it's to build anticipation rather than dread, okay? It's to nurture faith, not fear. So don't allow the devil to bring any condemnation or shame or fear on you this morning. We look back to see the future. So today we celebrate. This is a celebration meal. Now I know I grew up and it was really quiet when we did communion and everybody was somber. And, and, and I, rem- I know. I celebrate that way. I got thumped if I moved during the time when I was at home as a little boy. I don't know if what your mom and daddy did. I know some of them twisted under the arm and put the, you know, the cow-eating corn move on your knee. My daddy thumped, okay? And he could raise a knot. Okay? But, but it is a very important thing, but it's a celebration. You know, it's quiet in the funeral home. But that's because everybody's dead there. Alright? We're not dead. This is a celebration. Uh, dare I say, this is a party. Okay? It's a celebration. And so it's it's given to us so that we can celebrate. Even though we may have a ton of failures in our life, we may have all kinds of things that have gone wrong. In fact, nothing may be going right at the moment. But listen to me. Praise God. Hebrews 9.28 says this. It's very clear. It says, So Christ also... Having been offered once to bear the sin of many shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. Now we read this, I'm going to finish it in just a minute, but we read this and the only thing we tack on salvation is redemption of sin. When Jesus comes back to complete what he began at the cross, it'll have nothing to do with sin. It'll have to do with deliverance. And complete healing. You know, I've heard that we were saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power of sin. And at some point, we will be saved from the presence of sin. We'll no longer, where we'll be, there will be no sin. So Jesus will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. If you know Jesus this morning as your Lord and as your Savior, your past should not occupy the number one space in your mind. Okay? It shouldn't be all that you think about. You should be eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. Titus, Paul writes to Titus, and he puts it this way in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, Jesus has come. Bringing salvation to all men. That means salvation is available to all people. Now some people would argue with that, that. But that's another one of those verses. Jesus died for all. Okay? The invitation is open to whosoever will come. Jesus For the grace of God Jesus has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possessions zealous for good deeds. Jesus died for us to purify us. And He purified us so He could come back and get us. Most of you know and have heard the imagery of the bridegroom and the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. If you're a believer this morning, you make up the bride of Jesus Christ. And one day, Jesus is returning for His bride. And she will be spotless and pure. Jesus brought salvation and grace on His first visit. He dealt with the stains and the stench of our sin and our past so that He could have a pure and a holy bride when He returns the second time. And so today as we approach this meal, we have to make a choice. We really do. Here's the choices. Will you allow your past to fill your present and blot out your future? Okay. Will you allow your past to fill your present and blot out your future? Or will you allow this meal to create a longing, uh, an anticipation, an eagerness, uh, a passionate anticipation of the bridegroom's return? You see, every time we take communion, every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we remember what Jesus did. But we look forward by looking back to what He's going to do, His return. You'll be amazed at at, at at how much Jesus talked about coming back and what was going to take place in the future when he was instituting this meal. And when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, it's amazing how much he talked about the future even though he was talking about some things that had happened in the past. You see, we got a choice this morning. We can live in our past or we can look forward to the future. And as I mentioned earlier, for many of us... This meal is a reminder of our failures and our sins and our wrong choices. Because there's, there's that moment in, in the meal where, where the instruction is always given to examine yourself. That's healthy, okay? That's not to condemn. That's just for you to get along with God and say, God, i got some stuff here I need to get rid of before I participate. It, it wasn't meant to condemn. But folks, in the history of the church... It's been a hammer, okay? It really has. It's been a hammer used by, by misguided pastors and shepherds through the centuries to pound their sheep into submission. It, it's been used to make them easier to control. It, it's, it, it's been with the, 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 the meal has been withheld or it's, it's been used as a reward and sometimes it's been abused, okay? Jesus never intended it to be used like that. It was a memory tool so that when we looked back, we could see the future. It was never meant to be a control, an object of control, a, a tool of, of torture. It was meant to be a, a, a freedom celebration, a party. That's what it was meant to be. I know that, that word right there gets some of you, but we're supposed to have a hallelujah come apart today. I mean, we really are. Now, there's some solemn moments, but when I get what took place on the cross, which is a solemn thing, it ought to make me come apart at the seams. You say, Nelson, you're out of your mind. Well, let me, maybe songs help us, okay? They do to me. Songs communicate. And and Kathy and I were talking about last night, we were listening to a song, and it was amazing the words in that song. But but you can say things through music that very often you can't say from a pulpit or from a podium or on TV. But you can sing it, and the people that are listening, really listening, hear it. And it speaks to their heart. And the people that are not listening, it blows over their head. Well, there's, a, there's an old hymn that uh, that I love. I've always loved it. You hear it very often at funerals, but folks, listen to me. It ain't a funeral song, okay? They sang it at my daddy's funeral, and for two or three years after that, I didn't want to sing it. I, I didn't even want to hear it because it reminded me, but it's not a funeral song. So when I die, okay, y'all don't sing this song at my funeral, all right? Please, because it's not a funeral song, and I'm not going to do the I'm not going to do the words to the first verse, but, but there's, a, there's, there's three verses that I want to touch on, and it's, it's every time I hear it, I, I just one of these verses I've never heard before. It, it's "O oh sin, my sin, o oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more." Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Listen to me, the sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. Now y'all know this fourth verse, okay, because we always sing it, so we're going to sing it together, okay? And Lord haste the day... When the faith shall be sight The clouds be rolled back as a scroll The trump shall resound And the Lord shall descend Even so it is well with my soul It is well my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Do, do, do you hear the words in that song? I mean, the writer of that song, he's looking back, but he's looking forward. One of those verses, the, the second one that, that that I that I shared with you, I never heard that before. I mean, we always owe the sin, the bliss of that glorious thought. We jump from that to, and Lord, haste the day. I mean, most of y'all probably grew up in the same church I did. We sang first, second, and last. I've been to a few churches that sing all the verses. But the one I grew up in, first, second, and last. Okay? It was a rare thing to sing the third verse. Sometimes the third verse holds the secret of the whole song. But folks, as believers, we look back to look forward, to look at the future. Jesus said this, or Paul said this, he's quoting Jesus. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Now that's where most of us stop. But that's not where Paul stopped, and that's not where Jesus stopped. Listen carefully to the last three words. Until he comes. Until He comes. Until He comes. Every time we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. There's going to come a moment when we no longer proclaim the death of Christ. We will proclaim His coming. We will live in His coming. The Lord Himself declares in, in Revelations twenty two twenty 20, Yes. I am coming quickly. Every time we participate in this meal, we are declaring with the saints through the centuries, so be it, Lord. That's what the church, that was what the reply of the church was in Revelation. So be it, Lord. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Jesus instituted this communion meal so that that we could look forward to his return every time we looked back at his sacrifice. It had a dual purpose. Jesus took that Passover meal, which was a celebration of, of God's grace and His mercy as that death angel passed over the homes and, and were, whose doorposts were marked with the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus gave it a new meaning. You see, that Passover meal pointed to something. It was something that had happened in the past, but it pointed the Jews to something that was going to happen in the future. It was a look back to the future. And Jesus, when He participated in that Passover meal, Jesus said, Hey, that time is here. The Messiah has come. The Lamb who the Lamb that they slew and put the blood over the doorpost, that Lamb... The true lamb has now come. And so this meal reminds us of what Christ has done, his His sacrificial death, the application of that blood over the doorpost of our souls. But in instituting this meal, Jesus makes a statement that sometimes we read over, a couple of sentences that sometimes we read over. He says to his disciples in Luke chapter 22, I'm going to read verse 15 through 18. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired, I have longed to eat this meal with you. I've anticipated this meal for a long time. I've laid awake at night thinking about this meal. That's that's what Jesus is saying. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Why, Jesus? And then Jesus tells us, For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. And when he had taken the cup and he gave thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God has come. Jesus says, You know what? This is it for me. The last time that I participate in this. Until. The kingdom of God comes until we sit at the table in the Father's house. Jesus wasn't going to drink any more wine until it was the time. Until, you know, what time? Well, the time when he returns for his bride. That's what he's talking about. When he comes again to get his church, to get every born-again believer, then we're going to go into what Scripture calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a party. And sometime during that party, Christ is going to stand up and he's going to raise the glass. And for the first time in at least 2,000 years, that wine's going to touch his lips. Not just his lips, it's going to touch our lips. It's the wine of eternal life, new life, a new kind of life. And we're going to celebrate. And so the cup we drink from today. Looks back at the death and the, and the, and the blood that, that Christ shared. But it also causes us to look forward to the return of Christ when death's going to be transformed into life. And not just more life, but life eternal in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This communion meal that we celebrate was, was instituted to build an anticipation. How many of you realize that in the course of life, you get dragged down by life? I mean, life just has a way of happening, right? And it wears you out. It beats the stuffings out of you. It crushes you. You see, Jesus knew that because he lived life. He knew what it was like to be tired and thirsty and hungry and and, and made fun of. And he knew what it was like to go through hard times. And he knew that good times don't last forever. That if there's a mountaintop, guess what? There's a valley. He knew all of that. And so that's why he gave us this meal. Because in the middle of life, we get a little reminder that this is not what it's always going to be. Just hang on. Just hold on. Do what I've told you to do. It's going to get better. And not just a little better, but beyond belief, better. Jesus is going to return, and things that are wrong will be made right. Okay? And besides that, we won't even care, because he will have taken us out of the presence of sin and put us into the presence of sinless perfection. We'll be in His presence. And Scripture tells us that when we see Him, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. So most of that garbage that we hang on to won't even matter anymore. In fact, dare I say none of that garbage will matter. And all those questions that you got packed back in your billfold that you're going to ask Jesus when you get there, probably not, okay? They won't matter. I'm just telling you, I've heard people say really stupid stuff. I'll just ask God when I get to heaven. Well, you go right ahead. I'm going to be at the party for the first 100,000 years. Folks, this meal was meant to create anticipation. It was meant to be an encouragement. It was meant to create a longing in us. I mean, when you've been away from somebody that you love for a while, your heart starts to ache. That's what this meal is supposed to do, is to make your heart ache. Just a little bit for Jesus and for his return. Yes, it reminds us of the horrendous nature of sin. And it's supposed to. And it reminds us of the cost. And it's supposed to. But it's also, as it points us back to the cross that Jesus died on, it also points to the eastern sky, which is this way. It's going to open one day. And the King of Kings is going to step out with his arms outstretched. And we who belong to Christ are going to rise to meet him. And you know what? If you die before he comes back, it just means you're in line ahead of us. You'll get there first. Okay? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With a cry of command. That's what the shout is. With the voice of an archangel. and With the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up together with them in the class to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. This morning, we look backward so that we can see the future. We partake of the bread and the, and, and, and the juice that represent the flesh and the blood of Jesus. But we don't do it to celebrate just His death, okay? We do it to celebrate his return. He died, but he ain't dead no more, okay? He's alive. That's the message of the empty tomb. He's alive, and he's coming back. We celebrate his death, but we anxiously and expectantly long for his return. And his return, folks, is imminent, okay? And what does that word mean? It means it could happen at any moment. It's not Jesus will come. It's Jesus is coming. That's the way the early church lived. Jesus is coming. It could be at any moment. I'm not one of those that believes that certain things have to happen. Look, everything's happened as far as I can tell. I believe in his imminent return. It could happen at any moment. Jesus said this on the night before he was arrested in John chapter 14. He said, let your hearts not be troubled. You believe in God. That, I mean, that's the way he would say, you believe in God, don't you? Then believe in me. And in my Father's house are many dwelling places, or or if the King James translates, many mansions. If it were not so, listen to me, if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Let me read that again. I will come again. And I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know what Jesus was doing? He was encouraging his disciples that what you're going to see tomorrow is not it. And what you're going to experience in three days is not it. And when you see me go up into heaven, that's not it. That's just a prelude to when I will come back. I love what the angels told them as they stood there gawking, and that's what they were doing on the Mount of Olives. Their, their mouths were, were, were open, and they were staring. The angel said, this same Jesus that you see ascending into heaven will come back in like manner which means a bodily resurrection. He will come back in a bodily return. It won't be, he won't send angels for us. He's coming back Himself. And so as we participate in this meal, we look back at what He did so that we can see what He's going to do. That's what it reminds us of. It's not just death. It's not just, it's not just about sin. It's about His return for those that He died for for us. Folks, this is a celebration. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus, this meal's for you. See, this is not eagle's wings table. This is not my table. This is the Lord's table. And the Lord invites anyone who knows him as savior and lord to participate in this. Because that's the only way the meal has meaning. Does he tell us to examine ourselves? Yes. He does. Look at yourselves. But that looking inward is more than just it's sin. Okay? It's more than sin because for some reason we get some spiritual idea that it's, it's, that's all it's about is redemption. But it's not. You see, Jesus didn't just shed his blood to pay for our sins. His body was broken to bring us healing, to bring us deliverance. See, salvation is full. You may be here this morning and you you may be struggling with, with issues and you need deliverance. Okay? It may not be a sin issue. It just may be an internal issue that's never been dealt with. You may be here this morning and you're struggling with sickness. Look inward and say, Lord, I give you this sickness. I give you this torment that I'm going through. I give you this sin that I've committed. Whatever it is, just give it to Him. That's that's what it means to examine yourself. And then after you've examined yourself, you're ready to celebrate. Because He takes it. He doesn't take it and give it back. He takes it. Casts it behind Him. And the past is the past. And the future is yours. So this morning, before we celebrate this meal, I'm going to ask Faith if she'll come. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.